we're going to start. Yes. But, okay. But before go ahead. we do that, I always have one more story. So <laughs> you you may not know this, but we talked about like how if you were on TV, you had made it, right? I was on Just Like Mom. Just like mom? Do you remember Just Like Mom? I was in no. a series. You had to like cook stuff in the kitchen just, or something. With yes. Me. Your mom would show up and it was like a game show. Yes. And you would have to cook or work. That's right. So Was it your real mom? Yeah, my real mom. My was real mom. Cooking? No, so what we had. So this a mother and a son or a mother so and a daughter would do. Like, they do questions. So they take me away and they ask my mom a whole bunch of questions. Oh, And gotcha, then I gotcha, have to come gotcha. out and match the question. Like, Jeremy, we asked your mom. What uh, what color is an apricot and <laughs> or, things like this? And the answer to everything's like heavy metal magazine. <laughs> <laughs> so we go through some epic. And then we did not get a single question right the entire show. <laughs> like I have zero points at the end of the show. And then they go into the cook off and they're like, it can all it can all come around here in the cook off. So they go uh, they go Jeremy uh, and the two other kids. There's me, a, a little boy and a little girl. They're like. Uh, you're gonna make chocolate chip cookies for your mom, but the table has things like ketchup yes, and they would have like, like they make kids C plus pop and they give them like you yeah. Can make anything so you want. we then had to make so the the parents then each get one from each kid from each and kid. They, they have to guess which one their kid made. So re- now remember, there's two boys, one girl. My mom gets a plate with perfect cookies on it, Jeez. and two and two plates with slop. <laughs> like and then they come, and they go, Lynn. Which cookie do you think Jeremy made? She picks the perfect fucking cookies, which is a beautiful statement that my mother thought that I would, you know, years after I go, you had fucking, you had a 50, 50 fucking chance. Like they give you three. There's two that just is one. that's like, I hate that one. That's, that's perfect cookies. It's funny. Like, I go, you had 50, 50. Like those are good odds. You won't even get, you won't get those odds at the track. You won't get those odds at the casino. Yeah, you yeah, had a 50, yeah. 50 chance. And no one had scored enough points. Like whoever won the cook-off was like going for the big prize. And you picked the perfect cookie. Well, I think you picked Jeremy. Like, fuck you. I, like, you, you, had, you had gold and you gave it away. We could have been on the circuit. That's we could have been funny. on the, the mother-son yeah. circuit for years. Old men rolling dice. Everyone is welcome at our table. Nostalgia is what we do. This is Jeremy with Old Men Rolling Dice, and I'm joined by my co-host Jason, Jiminy Jason, Jiminy Jason. I should I should introduce myself as DM Jeremy. Uh, we are joined today by our friend Dave. Can we call you Dave McKay? You can call me David. Dave. Dave McKay. <laughs> Dave, what year did what? you sort of make your plunge into Dungeons and Dragons? There's a theme going along here. 1981. Shut up. It was a it was a banner year. So we're doing like we're doing chain interviews today. <clears throat> Our previous guest was 1981. Yes. But uh, like Jason, I was 11 in 81. How old was Jason in 81? 11. Turning 11 in 81. Yep. Okay. I was seven in 81. Just putting that out there because it makes me feel good. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I did not play, okay, I did not play till like 84, 85. Yeah. Uh, so how does it start, Dave? Okay. So... We were saying 81 is the first introduction to D&D. Let's do a little flashback. A young David born in the hospital with a lung infection. It slowly developed into a speech impediment. 
So at a very, very young age, uh, and you have to remember early 70s, and I'm doing preschool before there's so, uh, such thing as a preschool. I'm doing um, speech therapy. I'm doing uh, phonetic speaking, um, memory, things like that. And the homework I was given when all of my kids were playing in the sandbox was uh, crossword puzzles and reading and things like that. My reading was advanced, not that this is a pat on the back or a whatever, but once I started being able to read what I wanted to read, not what they told me to read, um, I would think that outside of the choose your own adventures or some of the scholastic books like um, how to eat fried worms or whatever, The Hobbit was the first real one. Introducing me into the fantasy world very, very quickly after that was a slew of comic books, everything from fantasy to science fiction to uh, superheroes. Um, a conversation recently about my favorite superhero, my first favorite superhero of all was Flash for some reason. I just really? like the idea of Speedy. It was easy to like Superman. It's easy to like Batman. It's kind of hard to like Mm-hmm. The the lesser ones, but they were cooler in different ways. I think so too. Absolutely. The timeline stuff was very interesting in Flash, which led me to Chris Claremont and Days of Future Past, which is probably my first favorite. There is something about comic books and Dungeons and Dragons. One of the first places I bought D&D, it was a comic book shop. Right. Like there was comics there. Right. So they went hand in hand. Yeah. You would pick up like a, a new module for D&D and you'd grab a couple of comic books to go along with it. And advertising wise, AD, like Dungeons and Dragons was all over comic books. So the interesting thing about that is in the mid 80s, I got my dream job at a comic book store in Brantford. Nice. And he didn't carry any D&D stuff. Nothing. Hey? It was the train model shop that actually had it. Oh, interesting. Yes. So do you remember what? Um, it was on Charing Cross, was it? That, well, no, before that, okay. it was downtown Brantford. Okay, I don't remember. Being okay, there. so they were across the street from each other. It was Comic Connection, yep. and then a couple doors down, but then Comic Connection moved across the street. So I worked for Comic Connection, okay. um, and that got me an interest into there are more comics than just superheroes you know like it's you were talking earlier about conan conan's a big influence but it's not so much the comic book it's more the robert e howard for me what the comic books did for me is the visuals is what got me and i think everything that my memory of DD is all a visual feeling it's not so much the story, it's how the, ma- the story made me feel and how I was imagining the scenario visually. It's true. There's certain iconic pieces of artwork that I can remember still to this day, the first time I leafed through a Absolutely. book and saw them. Um, I did a post just the other day. The Trampier Magic Mouth in the back of the player's handbook, Like I remember not even knowing how to play that first session, flipping through and seeing that and going like, "Sure, what the hell is this? And then... Having read The Hobbit, you immediately see this halfling and dwarf characters. You're like, is this is this another story that maybe I'm unaware of? You you don't DM a lot, but that mouth on the wall, I think every DM has stolen that at some point, and the mouth on the wall tells a riddle or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. That you're right. That sort of art, but it mimics uh, the very first time you saw that very outrageous chest with a mouth with teeth and did it have arms coming out of it? 
I don't think the. Uh, oh, maybe one, oh, maybe one of them like did. Fist There's, swinging up, I think. Yeah. One of the old ones. Again, um, the dynamic art, the visuals, the lines, the colors, the. You know, a lot of my influence is black and white. So when I get into the gaming industry as an artist, as an illustrator, um, my influences are, even though I have D&D related or gaming related influences, my influences are like Bernie Wrightson, but not the comic Bernie Wrightson. It's the iconic, like the Frankenstein pieces he did. It's, it's the splash pieces. Uh, they call them splash pieces. It's a one page, full page illustration. When you see the originals, you're just blown away. This, these, this is a guy who with crow quill, uh, pen and ink has accomplished something that looks like it's a wood block out of the, you know, the 1800s or something like, and, and there's a lot of stuff that I, my influences go back to that era. But when you take a look at a painting, like I can go back and think of like the Oath of the Horatii uh, by Jericholt or uh, the Wrath, Wrath of the Medusa. It's a, it's a point in a story. So this is interesting because you mentioned the art having a story and, uh, and I would agree with you that art with a story definitely, uh, it doesn't have to be an answered story. Just like, where are these guys going? What are these guys doing? Sure. And we just posted the original Trampier cover versus cover. the easily cover of the player's handbook. Nine, this is, this is sure. nine times a 10. This is the answer I got easily that it, that's the professional artist there. And that is well-formed art, but everybody's preference, not everyone's, but the majority of people's preference was the Trampier cover because they want to know, did the rogues get the eye? <laughs> did they get like, what, what, did they fight those lizard folks yes. that are dead on the cover? It's true. Like there's all sorts of questions that come out of the Trampier you cover. You can literally that spawn an entire story off of one picture. You go, yeah. listen, you write yeah. me a 10 page story based on just this picture. There's enough information there. Yeah, yeah, and and my experience in the gaming industry as an uh, f as a mercenary, <laughs> freelance illustrator, uh, could spoil a lot of people's opinions of what goes on. The reality is, we as artists, uh, whether you're a, a writer, uh, a creator of rules, a um, an artist, any any of form of creativity, um, you have to make money at it. Some way, somehow. Um, and especially the early stages of TSR, I had pages of information about one quarter page illustration. I seriously, 12 pages written by the author of what was going on in that quarter page illustration. And what they were looking for. And what they were looking for. Mm -hmm. And had it returned to me twice. <laughs> because I didn't meet his requirements where the first piece and even the second piece, the art director said, these are absolutely fantastic. We're going to buy them off of you because we're going to use them someplace else. But that's not what I'm like. Who is this guy? Is like, he's the guy who's making the most money off of this. Mm -hmm. You're going to do what he says. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. People don't know that side of it. Then you go to a company like FASA who has a fleshed out page gives me the page with what we call an illo hole. So it's, you know, literally art to be placed here, <laughs> put something that fits. 
And then you get another company that just says, just draw me something. Yeah. That one's the harder one to do actually. Just draw me now something. just draw me something based on what? Well, you know what we do. <laughs> I don't know what this project is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so swing back. I, I, we got sure. a little bit off track, but, yeah, I love, yeah. but we love getting off track. So, so where, do, where do we get D and D? You're at the comic book okay, store. So um, I'm in middle school. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to say grade six and a good friend comes to me. So we start up a quote unquote games club, chess club in our school, in our school so that we don't have to go outside and get balls thrown at us or beat up <laughs> at recess. So we're inside um, with a chessboard set up literally to like, I don't know, let's say Queen's Gambit. I don't I have no idea because chess isn't my game, but we have it set up for an actual authentic chess move and how to counter it. Yep. And uh, and they leave us. They leave us to our own devices in the middle of the library with the librarian off on her lunch and blah, blah, blah. And there we are sitting there playing a game and uh, teacher walks in and we go over and ponder the next chess move. And then they leave and then we go back to D&D. Eventually it got to the point where, look, we know what you're doing. Just play your game. So so what version of the game were? The original, um, I don't know the names, but Brian, you had said what was uh, 1981? Was it maybe the basic, uh, the yeah, BX? B- uh, BX. Moldave's yeah. Mold version? Short. Because yes. there was the there was the Holmes box set, which is a blue box, like a science. Okay, so uh, and, so and then after I'm, Holmes, I'm gonna I'm gonna name drop somebody okay. who hopefully hears this and can contact me again. Mm-hmm. Scott McCallum was our dungeon master. He was the guy who introduced me to this. He's the guy who set this all up. This nice. guy was like um, mathematics. He's a smart guy, and he invited. <laughs> goofy Dave <laughs> to his gaming group. Right. So I felt like part of a group. This is awesome. Um, I'm, I played a lot of sports, but mostly because my dad wanted me to, I played D and D because I wanted to, mm-hmm. um, he had that, he had, uh, eventually all the, all the box sets. So mm-hmm. we'll go basic advanced and expert. Um, mm-hmm. he had all of those. So I never had back then, you didn't have to have a copy. So no. I didn't have a copy. Once it went to the hardcover books, I had a copy of everything. Jason that- and I can both remember being at tables where there was no, like, these are the rules we're playing with. It's like, I had my red box. Someone had an advanced player's handbook. Yeah. And someone someone had- showed up with a fiend folio. And you're like, this is what we're using someone today, boys. Right. Someone had the right. And we just, we stitched it all together somehow. Right. And it wasn't Dungeons and Dragons, but at the same time, it was Dungeons and Dragons. Like well, it, was, it, it was everything it, for it's, us. It's funny for the longest time. Uh, yeah, I'm going to play D&D and we weren't playing D&D. We were playing something else, but we okay. just gaming was D&D. No, the people, period. People of the internet in fifth edition don't understand that. Like when we were all when, in earlier editions, when we were all kids, there was no internet to Right. Fact check rules. Right. So you had your DM had to make house rules on the call. Oh, like, totally. Just, just like, I don't know what this all means here. I don't know what I'm reading in the book, but this is how I want to play it. And then everybody at the table sure. went like, back then a lot, a lot of people at the table were just like, Hey, the DM, the DM 
rules. So that's that definitely the thing. That the DM, was, that was our rule. That was our yeah. rule at the table, the DM rules. Everybody thinks that when you say the DM rules, you have this DM at the end of the table with like a meter stick in their hand, slapping it into their hand going, you will follow my rules. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've played, I've played in games like that though, where the, it was literally the story is going to happen whether you're there or not. Mm-hmm. But, it, but again, the, you're, we're talking about sitting at a table and being inspired and everybody's inspired in different things at different times. And the funniest thing is sitting at a table with like-minded individuals and your inspiration all becomes one as a collective, even though you're coming from different direct directions and, and you might have a very specific, somebody might have a very scholastic literary view of things. Someone might be very, um, <laughs> which is my daughter's parlance of a very basic, what are you basic? Um, <laughs> I don't even know what that means, but it's funny. It's funny as shit. I like shit like that. That's funny. Well, you've been listening to Old Men Rolling Dice. Uh, This is Geek on the Borderlands, and this has been Dave McKay that we've been talking to. Uh, And you can check out Jason and I on Instagram or Twitter, uh, and you can find Old Men Rolling Dice wherever you get your podcast. Briark. 